Welcome everyone. You're listening to The River Podcast, where you can find messages to help you strengthen your walk with Christ and refresh your soul. Here's our message from this past week. Welcome once again to another Thursday night at The River. I'm always excited to be here. I hope you are too. Uh, one thing I wanted to say is uh, Jose, first time here playing bass. Man. I don't know if you know me, like I'm a like I'm a music guy. I mean, hearing what he's doing up there, I pay attention to every little thing, Jose. I'm paying attention, Jose. And oh man, he I, I love what you did up there. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God, for talent. Thank you, God, for the people that you put in our lives here. Because I know God is always doing something. He's working something. Ever since I've come here, it's just been over and over again me seeing God do something new. And I enjoy seeing that. Somebody asked me one time what was the greatest thing about being a pastor. And the only thing that could come to my mind is growth. I love seeing growth. You know, seeing someone come from in one way to, to another way and just going from glory to glory and, and growing. I, I love that. That's, that's my heart. So that's what I want to say about that but there's also something tomorrow that I want to remind you they set it up here but I want to make sure that you grab this Uh, we're looking for servant leaders servant-hearted people who want to serve in the ministry who want to grow the ministry and uh, when God gives me a vision for this ministry I keep seeing it grow little by little until it's packed out the doors that's what I keep seeing and it doesn't happen with just people coming here and sitting and and going and sitting and going. It comes by people coming in and saying, I want to invest my time and efforts in this ministry and I want to do and I want to put my hands to work. I want to get dirty. And so if God is putting on your heart to serve in anywhere, in any capacity in this ministry, see us tomorrow night at 7 p.m. in the main sanctuary, not inside the main sanctuary, but in the main building inside of the choir room. If you don't know where that is, um, we'll have someone outside leading you towards that. So um, I hope to see you there tomorrow. And uh, last but not least, I wanna share something with you before I begin that God's been doing in me um, last night. It began maybe a couple of weeks ago, but just last night, I couldn't sleep. I was up, I was trying to sleep. My wife was in bed by like 9.30 and she's like that. She's like moment nine or something hits. She's like a little bird, she's like sleeping. The moment her head hits the pillow, she's gone. But I stay up sometimes, and last night it was one of those nights I couldn't sleep. And God just kept telling me to read the book of Revelation. And that's typically not a book that I go to, but I picked it up and I just started reading and reading Revelation. It just, I thought I'd get sleepy and just go to sleep, but I was up till three in the morning still reading. And then he led me to, to Romans, I kept reading. And I said to myself, what are you saying, God? And for some reason, I feel like God is leading me to do a study or maybe a series in the book of Revelation. So as I pray on that, I want you to also pray about it because this is not a word just to to say, okay, hey, I got a cool word on Revelation. I really feel that God is gonna do something in this when he's stirring it in me this way. So pray about it, what you're gonna receive because if I'm preaching it here, then guess who it's for? For us, right? And so, I really feel God moving that way. So pray about that as I pray about it also. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. You know what I love also is what God always does 
is he brings somebody up here to say something that I'm about to preach about. And Gabby was like, when she was praying, she said, I just want to pray peace over you. Peace, just peace over you. And that's really what the word is about today. It's about peace and rest. And so 2 Chronicles chapter 15, 1 to 2, we're going to bounce around a little bit, but this is going to be the main verse. And it says this. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, who was the king of Judah at the time, and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him, if you seek him. He will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. What an encouraging word. <laughs> the title of the message today is Checkpoint Peace. Come on, somebody. Checkpoint Peace. All right. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this day, your day, the day that you have made. We're going to rejoice. We're going to be glad in this moment. Today, Father, I pray that you would open up the windows of heaven and rain down fundamental truth and understanding, that we would bind to your words and it would change us from the inside out. God, bless your people as we receive from your throne room today. In the name of Jesus Christ and all of his people say, amen. Can we give God some, God some glory? Hallelujah. A while back, when I was a, a child, I always wanted a video game console, Sega Genesis especially. I never got one because I didn't get good grades in school. But my brother, on the other hand, he was an excellent student. And my parents thought that he would, they would gift him a Sega Genesis. And that's all we ever wanted. So every good gift that I ever had in my home came from my brother. Thank God for my brother. But there was a specific game that I used to love playing on Sega, and it was called OutRun. Anybody familiar with that old game? Okay, just old me. All right. So a game called OutRun. So it was like the first racing game that looked semi-real. And in this game, you would go place to place. You weren't racing people per se, but you were just going place to place. And when you get to this place, it would go checkpoint. And you know that if you lose any, any part after that, if you lose, you're going back to the checkpoint. You're not going to go back all the way to the beginning, but you're just going to go right back to that checkpoint. And so there was some comfort in that, but then there was like this, ugh, this frustration that every time I got to a certain level, I couldn't get past that checkpoint. And I kept on having to repeat and repeat and repeat going back to this checkpoint. And it was very frustrating for me until one day I realized, you know, I shouldn't be frustrated by the fact that I keep going back to this checkpoint because all it means is that I'm not ready to go to the next level. And when I'm talking about, what I'm talking about here is peace. And, and in Christianity, once you, you find this, this place with God, especially when you first get saved, you are on fire and you're hungry and you're passionate and all you want is God. And can't nobody tell you different you, you're, you're going into the streets and you're preaching God. You're going to your schools and you're talking about God. Everywhere you go, you keep talking about God. And then you keep talking about God and you keep talking about God and you keep talking about... And then all of a sudden, it becomes the stale and routine thing that you do that it's no longer a, a, an authentic thing, but it becomes this routine thing that they...
is designed or constructed, I believe, by God to lead you out of your routine and into a real relationship, an authentic relationship with Jesus again. You need to remember exactly that checkpoint where you were in love with him, where you were on fire for him, when you were resting in his peace, when you actually had peace in your life. That no matter what the world looked like, no matter what your environment felt like, and I am in love. love with Jesus. So today, I encourage you, before we get into this, remember that place. Find that place and go back to that checkpoint. And sometimes, though, going back to that checkpoint means a few things. One of the things it means, according to the story here that I'm going to pull a few points from, one of the things it means is that you have to build to prosper. You have to learn how to build to prosper. Some of us build, but we don't build to prosper. Some of us want to build, but what we end up doing in our lives is we begin to tear down, especially when God calls us to things like rest. I want you to pay attention to chapter 14 a little bit and verse 6. It says, and he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. The story begins by God talking to this king, Asa, and telling him that he's been doing a great job with the land and he has a heart for the Lord. And in verse 2 and 3, it talks about, For he removed all the altars and the foreign gods from the high places and broke down the sacred um, pillars and cut down the wooden images. In verse 4, it says, He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God, their fathers, and to observe the Lord and the commandments. He also removed all these things. But it got to the point that God gave him rest. Now, I don't, I don't know if you understand the implications of what's going on here, the, real, the reality of what's happening here. If you were the president of the United States and I told you I can grant you anything that you wanted, what would that one thing be? Come on, y'all could talk to me. Wisdom, right? Maybe money, finances, that kind of thing. But let me tell you something. When I was in the Air Force, what they used to tell us, the, most, the number one thing that the chief, um, the, the president of the United States is responsible for, the number one thing he's responsible for is national security. You can have money, you can have all types of things as a president of the United States, but their number one responsibility is to secure the borders of this land. And God was giving this man something that no one else could give to him. God was giving him peace. He was giving him rest. He was giving him something that he could not even get for himself because peace is something that is supernatural. Let me tell you something. If, if I asked you today to give me some grace, you might be able to do that. If I said, please give me mercy, you could do that. If I asked you to, to give me your love, the love of your heart, you could actually give me the love of your heart. But if I asked you for peace, that is something that you could never guarantee me because that's not yours to give. It's only God that's able to give peace. And the crazy thing about peace is that we're always searching for it, but often we're searching for peace in the wrong places. 
We always go to the carnal places. I remember a woman came to me and said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me because every time I go to work, people are stressing me out. And when I go home, I want to pick up my Bible, but the first thing I go to is a bottle of wine. And the, the flesh wants to find peace, but your spirit has to tell your flesh where peace is. And you need to pray and you need to, to, to rest in Jesus because that's the only place you'll find the actual and supernatural peace that we're all looking for. And so God gave him this peace and he accepted it. And look what happens in chapter 14 and 7. Therefore, he said to Judah, let us build. Let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God and we have sought him and he has given us rest on every side so they built and prospered. Ten years of peace, guaranteed peace. And you would think to yourself, what are you going to do with this peace? If I gave you peace today, if I guaranteed you ten years of peace, what are you going to do with it? I know what I'd do. Buy me a plane ticket. I'm a little hotel. I'd relax all day. No one's bothering me. I don't have anyone that's going to ruin my peace. I'm just going to rest. I'm going to take my time and do absolutely nothing. In the background, you would hear, and today I ain't going to blah, 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 anything. <laughs> you would hear that playing all the time because I'd be doing nothing because I know no one could ruin my peace. But this king was a little bit wiser than I am. He took the rest and the guaranteed peace that God was giving to, to him. And he didn't say, hey, we're just going to throw a party in Judah. And everyone's going to do nothing because we have rest on every side. But instead, you see what he did with rest. He said, no, we're going to build. We're going to build towers. We're going to build walls. We're going to build gates. We're going to build bars. And we're going to fortify this city while we have rest. Boy, if we took that into our spiritual life, you would find that you would be ready for anything that comes your way. Because the reality is we get into this place where we allow procrastination to plague us. It causes us to waste our rest by doing nothing. And, and, and Joseph Prince, the pastor, he was preaching earlier this year. He said he had a word for this year and the word was rest and acceleration. I said, wow, rest and acceleration, those two opposite things. How do you have a word for rest and acceleration? And when I started to think about it, wow, I was like, wait, these things are tied. And you should never be able to separate this rest and acceleration because you shouldn't be able to accelerate until you rest. You hear what I'm saying? Because if when you come out of rest and you don't immediately accelerate, then you were resting wrong. Do you hear what I said? If when you come up out of your rest and you are not immediately accelerating, then you were wasting your rest. You weren't resting at all. Because that's even how the body works. If you go out and work out today and you are beat, the moment you lay down and rest, what is your body doing? It's building up. It's getting itself ready for the next workout. You know. <laughs> the strongest man in the room right here. <laughs> I shook his hand early and almost broke my arm. 
he's been resting right, right? But Jesus said, all those who are weary, tired, broken down, all those who are weary and heavy laden, Jesus said this, listen to this, come on to who? Come on to me and I will give you rest. You see, this is where growth comes from, spiritual growth. This is where, where that real rest is. When, when God talks about resting, he's not talking about doing nothing. God is talking about resting. He's talking about laying at his feet. When God is talking about resting, he's talking about being in the word. When God is talking about resting, he's talking about prayer and receiving from him. And he will build you up from the inside out. And so Asa built walls. He built towers and he built gates and bars. And in the spirit, we should also do the same. And what that looks like is prayer, building your walls up. It should look like watching while you're praying, paying attention to the times, also reading the word of God and also fasting even if you have to. Because this is where you'll find that growth, that rest, and that peace. Build up your spiritual fortresses so when that time comes, you're ready for the next challenge and that next battle. Have you ever noticed how Jesus prayed? If, if I were to find, if I were to look for Jesus by reading the Bible, I would know exactly where to find him every, every time. There's no hiding. I, mean, I know exactly where he's at. It said like early in the wee hours of the morning, about 4 o'clock, 4 a.m., 3 a.m., Jesus is out in the garden praying to the Father. That was his rest time. That was his rebuilding time. Have you noticed that whenever Jesus is praying in his private time, the prayers are super long. But then when he's praying in public, it was like a few words. When he prayed in the garden, he prayed till he sweat blood. That's what the Bible says. When he was praying for the man's lips or, um, or, or mouth to be open, he said, be open. That was the prayer. When he was praying for that little girl to rise up, he said, Talita kumi. That was little girl, get up. When he was praying for Lazarus to come up out of the grave, that was the longest public prayer he said. He said, God, you know, they need to see this and, you know, this is what's going to need to be done so you would be glorified. Lazarus, get out. But then he did a prayer for us and for his disciples in private, and it was the longest thing. You know what that is like? It's charging your phone. I have a problem. I, I go to sleep sometimes, and I leave my phone without charging, and I wake up in the morning. I go, oh, I have no battery. And everybody's like, your, battery, your phone's always dead because my phone's never charging. Your spirit life is always dead. Why? Because your spirit life is never charging. You see that? And, and if you see someone coming out there and never praying in private, never charging in private, and someone is sick, and we go, let's pray for healing. Come on, let's heal him, let's heal him, let's heal him. You're probably going to have to pray for a very long time. But if you pay attention to Jesus and the way he rested and the way he prayed and the way he built himself up in private, when he got into public, it was just a few words because that's all he needed because he was always building walls, building gates, and building bars. Amen. Going back to that checkpoint also means remembering that time. Come on. Remembering that time. I don't know how old you guys are in this room, but is anyone old enough to remember when the GPS wasn't available on your phone? 
Yeah, you remember that? Okay, we got the old crowd here, and then we got the young crowd up in here. All right. But well, well, if, if you remember that, well, tell me what you used to do when you, you had to go somewhere. If somebody gave you an address. What? See, y'all, too, y'all still, y'all talking about MapQuest. <laughs> That's still the digital age. I'm talking about, okay, let, let me go before that. Who's old enough to remember a map, a paper map? Who's old enough to remember having to go into a gas station and asking for directions? Come on. No? <laughs> well, if you don't know, let me tell you what it used to be like. You would, you would have to stop somewhere and look for the place that you were, because you had no GPS. You stop, you stop in a gas station and you say, hey, excuse me, do you know uh, where the uh, convention center is? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know where the convention center is. He goes, so how do I get there? Okay, so you're just going to get out the gas station here. You're going to make a left. And you're going to go straight down. There's going to be a McDonald's to the left. There's going to be a little road. Don't take the big road. Take the little road. And then make a right into the little road. Take that little road all the way down. No one ever knows how long all the way down is. But you got to go all the way down. And once you get to the flashing yellow lights, you're going to make a left. When you make that left, you're going to go about five miles down. You'll see a tire. And the tire right next to the tire is the convention center. You got it? And then if you're a guy, what do you say? Got it. Right? If you're a woman, you say, no, write that down, baby. Write that down. Right? And if you're, if you're a couple, the guy says, no, nah, babe, I got you. He drags her to the car, and they argue all the way there, and they all get lost. Right? But here it goes. And this is how we act often when we get these directions. We step out, and we say, all right, he said make a left. Got it. Boom. Made a left. Okay, McDonald's to the left. He said, not the big road, but the little road. Ah, got it, little road. Make a right, boom, little road. Now I'm going all the way down, flashing yellow lights. I remember the flashing yellow lights. I can't remember if it said right or left. Uh, and then what do you do? You just guess, right? You go, uh, right. And so you make the right. And some of y'all in here who's paying attention, you're like, no, that's the wrong turn, buddy. So you make that right, you keep going down, keep going down. And then before you know it, you're just trying to, Figure it out the whole time. Like, am I, where am I? Trying to figure this thing out. But if you were smart, the best thing that you would do, the smartest thing or the easiest thing that you should do is the moment you realize that you're lost, you turn around. And go back to the last place you realize you weren't lost. And when God leaves his directions for us, these words... It's supposed to lead us left and right into these places that he wants us to go, into the places where we will find his peace, places where we will find true rest. But when we neglect the word and we say, yeah, yeah, I think I got it. I don't need to read it anymore. I got it. I got it. Lord, don't stop, stop talking. And we start to drive. We get to those flashing yellow lights that slow down, and we, we guess which way to go. Sometimes we might think, make the right turn. But most of the time, we'll make the left turn. But guess what? When you're lost, if it's a right or a left turn, it's a wrong turn. You see that? And unless you're reading the directions in the map, then you're always lost. You might even pass by the convention center a few times and not even know you did. Because you're lost. And until you decide to stop, turn around, and go back to that checkpoint, say, this is the last place I remember I was not lost. What does that place look like for you? I could tell you what it looks like 
for me. When I first got saved, I prayed three times a day. I read my Bible up and down. I couldn't stop reading it because it was just, I felt lost without it. I felt lost without his words. I felt lost without him. Every second I'd have to keep reading because I was lost. I felt lost. But then I, I just kept reading. And as I lived out my life, there was this lady who came up to me. Unfortunately, she went to this church. She no longer goes here. Praise the Lord. Right? She came up to me. She said, wow. She was, I was in young adult ministry. She said, wow, you're so on fire for the Lord. I said, yes, I am. And then she said, that's going to change. I said, I said, what do you mean? She said, oh, no, no, you start off on fire. Said, ah, and then and it, it, just, it dies down. It coasts a little bit. And I didn't tell her this, but in the spirit I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. But if I can be honest, those words did affect me. And every time I missed an hour reading my Bible, I felt condemned, like a little bit, like, oh, gosh. And I, I'd have to work and try to push and try to do to please God. And it became this thing where it was a little bit more work than joy and leaning into his presence. And that sometimes the work became so cumbersome. I started feeling like, ah, oh, I just, I'll, I'll do it later, and I'll do it later. And at some point, I just stopped reading the Bible altogether and just thought the little scriptures that I have in my heart, I can just go off of that. I can just, I just recharge off of the things that I already know. And it gets to the point where you're trying to remember what the direction said, but you think you know where you're going, but you're lost. You're lost. And there was a time a man came up to me and told me a word that I always used as my checkpoint word. In fact, it was the only person in this world that I could probably call an enemy if I ever had one. It was a young man that I knew back in middle school that we, have, we had a problem. In my time, we called it beef. I don't know what you call it today. Right? I had a little beef with him. It's still beef? Yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. I ain't that old. <laughs> All right. So I had a little beef with him. And this guy told me if he ever saw me outside of school, it would be on, like serious. Like it would be on. Catch me outside. That's, that's, those were probably the exact words. And he said this to me, and we... I left middle school, went to high school, went to different high schools. But it's one of those things, like, you knew if you saw this guy, it would be like that. I went to the Air Force. I put on a little muscle. I don't know where it went. <laughs> Sorry. No, seriously. I came back. Seriously, I came back. And in that moment, I went into an L.A. fitness by my house in Boynton Beach at the time. And I saw this guy playing basketball, seriously, playing basketball, and immediately my heart sunk, sunk. And at this point, I was already a Christian. I had come back, I'd just gotten saved. Two things happened. I said, Lord, I'm going to get out to LA Fitness so it don't have to be nothing. <laughs> Not because I'm scared. You're right, I was. But then the Lord said, are you going to stay 
if I tell you to? I said, yeah, I'll stay. And he said, well, if you stay, I will make your enemies your footstool. I said, whew, I don't know where I got that scripture from. But I stayed. And then Lord, the Lord said, go in, past the glass. I said, oh, my gosh, you just want me to fight, Lord. You know I don't like fighting. I hate it. I walked inside the, the basketball area, and I saw him. And he saw me immediately. He was playing, and he stopped, dead in the middle of the game. He pulled somebody else and said, hey, come on and take my spot. And he got off the court. That serious. He walks off the court, and I was standing by the water fountain. He comes in. He literally does this. He walks by me. He goes, hits me by the, 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 the calf muscle, taps me. He goes and drinks some water. And then he gets back. And the whole time I'm sitting there with my arms crossed like, if I die today, I know where I'm going. The Lord giveth and he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I really said that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He came and he saw me, caught my eyes. He said, what's up? I said, what's up? He said, what you been up to? I said, same old, same old. Work, school, church. I said it just like that. He said, church, huh? I said, yep. He goes, you don't ever hear people our age talk about church. I said, I said, yeah. I said, you know, the Lord saved me. I said, I've been going to church for about six months now. He said, wow, that's good, man. He said, man, I've been serving the Lord for about six years. I said, really? <laughs> And I could breathe. Six years serving the Lord. And then this guy who I would have called my enemy at some point said to me, we had a conversation before this, but after this he said, you remind me of the Apostle Paul. And I've heard of Paul. I was just saved, and I, I, was, I didn't read the Bible like that. As for, but he, he said, you remind me of the Apostle Paul. You have such a testimony. He started pouring into my life, pouring into me, pouring. He said, he said you're going to do this and you're going to do that. God's going to use you to do this and God's going to use you to do that. In the middle of LA Fitness, by the basketball court, and this guy, he's hitting me in the chest with his finger, telling me these things, and then he ends up by telling me, people are going to try to take so much away from you. They're going to try to turn you away from the Lord. But remember that there's one thing they'll never be able to take away from you, and that's your testimony. Checkpoint. That's something that I never forgot. Because when the, when the time came, I would go out, evangelize on the streets, and I would meet people, and they would say so many things to hurt my faith. But then I remember his voice saying, they could take a lot away from you, but they can't take away your testimony. So what he was saying, my experience with God will always supersede what people say. And at that point, I used that as my checkpoint. And I got to say... You have a checkpoint word. You have a checkpoint moment. You have a checkpoint time. Maybe somebody prophesied over you. Maybe God spoke it to you himself, but you have something that you could always go back to to say, God, this is where my peace is. This is, is that moment in that time that I will never be able to be drawn away from you. The world can't pull me away. 
Music can't pull me away. Television can't pull me away. If I go back to that word, I'll always remember the peace that I had with you. Find your checkpoint word and remember that time. Amen. The last thing is this. Keep your shoes on. That sounds funny, doesn't it? Keep your shoes on. Ephesians 6 verse 14 says, actually it talks about the armor of God. Many of you already know it. You know what the armor of God is. You have your helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, your belt of truth. You have the sword of the spirit. And then you have these funny things called the shoes of preparation of the gospel of peace. The shoes of preparation, the gospel of peace. And, and when I think about what that means, the preparation is work. To prepare is, is work. And what, what Paul is trying to tell us is that there's a gospel that brings peace, but you have to always be wearing the preparation. You have to always be prepared to share that gospel of peace, to, to hold this gospel with you. Preparation is work. King Asa did not go back to his checkpoint. If you, if you read the entire story, it's chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16. I would encourage you to read the entire thing. And you'll see the mistakes that he made. In chapter 16, King Asa went to war with an Ethiopian. And in that war, he won. And a prophet came to him and spoke to him and said, If you... Stay with the Lord, he will stay with you. But if you leave the Lord, he will leave you. That's the, that's the verse that we read. That was the checkpoint word. So every time after that, if he ever went through anything that were to cause him to walk away from God for a little bit, he should have went back to that word and said, man, I remember what the prophet said. If I stay with the Lord, he'll stay with me. If I leave him, he'll leave me. That was his checkpoint. But then his second war, he won that war. His second war came. And this is what happened. The difference was the first war with the Ethiopians, it says that King Asa fell to his face. He called everyone to call out to God. And he himself called out to God and said, God, only you can deliver us. And God came and, and, and led his army to defeat an army that was three times his size. And then the second war came. The difference was the first one was immediate. The second one, he had a little bit of time to think. Have you ever noticed that the people who are always more desperate for Jesus are the people who are left with no choice? The people who fall on their face and are just so hungry for God are the people who have no way. And, and he, he, he has an opportunity now to choose, and God gives him that opportunity to choose. And this time, he didn't choose God but he chose to create an ally. And the way he did that is he sold everything in the temple and he funded the war with God's money by linking together with the king of Assyria to go against the king of Israel who, is, who he was gonna fight. And at this point, the king of Israel realized 
yo, this army is too big for me, so he bowed out. And so he technically kind of won that war. But although he won the war, listen to this, he won the war, but he lost his people. And I'm going to get to that. Because after he did that, Hanani the seer came to him, and he spoke to King Asa, and he said in 2 Chronicles 16, 7 and 9, And at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hands. That's more powerful than we're reacting to. The guy that he was going to battle, he linked up with the king of Assyria to battle. But God told him, because you've linked up with him, the land that I was going to give you was his. And you forfeited that. How many things have we forfeited by not going to God first? How many things have we forfeited in our lifetime by saying, well, I'm going to link up with so-and-so, do things my way, do things the way I heard it. But if we were to simply say, God, what do you want? God would have been like, I'm giving you everything here. The seer continues by telling King Asa, were the, were the Ethiopians and the Lubims not a huge army with, a, with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole entire earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. And here comes the word. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. From now on, you shall have no peace. No rest. Why? Because he was no longer in the, on the, in the bosom of God. He was no longer leaning on God. He had no rest. Jesus said, come on to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. You can't find it on the streets. You can't find it in your mom's house. You can't find it at school. You can't find it with the president. You can't find it. No one can guarantee you this. God is saying, come on to me and I will give you peace. Apart from God, there is no rest. Do you know what heaven is? The question, the question I have for you today is, would you want to go to heaven if God was not there? Because let me tell you why heaven is good is because God is there. And if, we went to, if I went to heaven and God said, I'm stepping away for a little bit, I'm like, whoa, 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 this ain't heaven. Chill out, bro. Your presence is what makes this. You can't leave. Because the moment he leaves, it's hell. And so King Asa didn't go back to his checkpoint word. Hanani came and gave him that word. And then immediately, Asa did something that was very strange. Out of frustration and bitterness, he wasn't happy with the word that the seer gave to him. And so he grabbed the seer, he locked him up and put him in prison. And above that, you would think that was enough, his frustration, he started to oppress the same people who loved him. The people who was screaming, the greatest king we've ever had. 
He broke down the Asherah poles. He cast down all the idols. He kicked his grandmother out of the kingdom because she had idols in her room. The king who loved God so much in the beginning was now beginning to do things that was out of character because he was no longer leaning on the Lord but leaning on another king. He lost his people. But listen to this. Asa won the war, but he lost his people. How many of us in this place have won the argument but lost the friendship? You, you won the fight, but you lost a family member. You won the battle, but you, you lost what was more important. And I'm here to tell you, some of you, you think that winning a fight, a physical fight or, or an argument or whatever it is, you think that's going to bring you peace. That doesn't bring you peace. That brings you turmoil. You have to make a decision on what's more important when it comes to things like that. But Asa won the war, but he lost his people. He wasn't leaning on God anymore. And the most peculiar and, and craziest thing happens as I close. He got a foot disease. Like, you don't expect that that's where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, man, the most peculiar thing. He got a foot disease. That's just the weirdest thing. It's like it just took a turn. Got a foot disease out of the blue. It says this in the word. But for me, it, it speaks to his peace. We were just talking about wearing the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Where do the shoes go on your feet where did this man who God gave peace for 10 years end up in a hospital with what kind of a disease a foot disease out of all kinds of diseases the man God gave peace to when he no longer leaned on God got a foot disease and that's why I'm telling you to keep your shoes on because the moment you turn away from God, the moment you start making decisions outside of God's will, your peace is gone. Second Chronicles 16, 11. It says, note that the acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the book of the king of Judah and Israel. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, <sighs> you, you thought he would have learned. His peace went away. Yet in his disease, God gave him grace and opportunity to turn to him first. Sometimes you might think, I'm getting sick because the enemy's attacking me. No, you're getting sick sometimes because God is giving you an opportunity to seek him first. Asa became diseased in his feet. In other words, his peace was gone. And his malady was severe, yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa, this is, a, this, is a, this is the best word right here, rested. His story begins with rest, a good one. 
but ends with rest, death, a bad one. So God's like, you wanted to rest? So Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the 41st year of his reign. Keep your shoes on. Let your feet be trodden with the gospel of peace. Don't allow people to pull you away. Don't allow anything in your world, in your environment to pull you away. Because if you're looking for that peace, some of y'all ain't had peace in a very long time. You've been warring, battling, fighting, tussling, bickering, punching and kicking through opportunity, through challenge, through all types of stuff. And God is throwing more stuff at you only so that you would say, let me seek him first. But you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Going to the same places over and over and over again. Forgetting the directions over and over and over again. And you think because I'm a Christian, I got the directions in my heart. I got it. I got it. I know where I'm at. No, you're lost. You're lost. Go back to the place you were last sure that you were not lost. And you will see how God moves in your life. And you will see your peace be restored unto you. Checkpoint. Can we stand on our feet? Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The River YA. All of our links to keep in touch are down below. We hope this blessed you and we'll see you next time at The River. Come find life.